let's be let's be fair here. Not everyone is meant to be a manager. I have seen in my past disasters where you know where the wrong people were made managers and they ended up doing not so good. But the truth is, your work is now not only going to be evaluated by the hands-on stuff that you do, but also the hands-on stuff of your entire team. So maybe in this world, there are more graphic designers than product designers at least to start with. So that itself gives a leverage to someone just because it is relatively rare. Hey everybody, welcome to the Design Convo podcast where we interact with creative individuals from the design industry to learn the things that otherwise might be difficult to understand, especially when we are starting as designers. The show will be the space where we ask questions that might sound silly but make a huge difference in our lives. I'm your host Shakti Hari and I'm going to ask the questions on everyone's behalf. I'm feeling great today. For this episode, we have Satyarshi Prakash joining us as our guest. Satyarshi is a product designer based out of Bangalore, India. He is a renowned name in the product design industry. He currently plays his part as a senior product design manager of the market front design team at Swiggy, a B2C food ordering and delivery application. I personally enjoy the delight elements that I encounter while using the app. So if you ever felt the same, this guy is most probably the responsible for that. He has also worked as a product designer at Zeta where he helped create amazing interactions for the products. What excites me is that this man loves to teach people his skills. He is also a design YouTuber. He shares his expertise and experience as videos, right from how to get a design internship to how to negotiate your salary. He has delivered around 70 talks on design to college students and design professionals, and he loves to mentor budding designers via platforms like ADP List and Design Out. What makes this episode even more special is that Sapta is the first product designer we have invited as our guest. But guess what? We are not going to just talk about product design, but much more. A fun fact: we both worked for the same brand for a small period of time, in different teams, though. Please join me in welcoming Sapta Shiprakas, who's fondly called as Sapta by the folks on the internet. The Design, Design Convo Podcast. Podcast. Welcome to the show, Sapta. Thanks for joining us today. Hey Shakti, I think it's great to be a part of it. It's always a great experience speaking to a fellow designer about design and beyond. Um, I'm a talkative guy, so I love when <laughs> I'm invited in sessions like this. Um, thanks a lot for the lovely intro. Uh, mm-hmm. One small correction: you spoke about you know the stuff that happens on Swiggy. There's a big team behind it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe some parts of it. I'm certainly responsible, but yep, I have a I have a firepower of a great team that uh, helps me in doing many of those things. Let's start with your story, Sapta. <laughs> Would you like to take us through how you shaped yourself as a designer that you are today? I know this is cliche question, which generally puts you on a spot to talk about your entire story, but <laughs> I just want to hear about it right from where it started. And- sure, sure. I think I've narrated the story many times in the past, and many of uh, the listeners today or the viewers today also might have heard it. But uh, let me, regardless, you know, share it once again as short as I can. Uh, So I think many of you know that I'm actually an engineer. I I studied engineering. Uh, so I'm an electrical engineer. I graduated from IIT Madras, uh, a popular college out there, right? Uh but then uh design was always my hobby and um I thought of keeping it that way. I never thought that you know I would make it my profession. One of the main reasons was uh I never thought you know this would uh, this would take me where I would want to be in my life, right? Uh it could be in terms of uh, value, impact, even money. Uh So that, those were my thoughts. I thought, okay, design is my hobby. I'll once around, once once a while, I'll keep playing around with Photoshop, Illustrator, 
that would be it. And maybe I'll get into some other kind of job. Uh, but I was sure of one thing that, you know, engineering is not something I would want to do all my life. I liked it, but I didn't really love it to the extent that I would do it all my life. Uh, I was very confident that I would be a, a manager. You know, I would go ahead and maybe do an MBA or something. And then, you know, I would climb the corporate ladder and keep doing stuff. You know, that drill, right? So that's yeah. what I thought I would do. And uh, I, I started planning a bit uh, during the last few years in IIT also. So that's why, you know, even in the campus placements, uh, I sat for non-core companies, of course, uh, that's not only me, that's that's pretty much a trend out there in my college because the non-core companies, you know, the, that is the companies which aren't uh, in the field of your study, uh, in the field of engineering, uh, they tend to pay you more money. Uh, now, I, I don't know why such companies even come to an engineering college to hire <laughs> for MBA sort of job, uh, but then they do and they also pay money. And so uh, I was attracted by that. So uh, I applied for such companies and I, and I made it to one of them as well. So my first design job was in an American, sorry, my first job, not design job, my first yeah. job was in an American multinational company where I was a project manager, uh, right? So yeah, pretty hardcore sounds like that. Uh, so I, I kept doing it for a year uh, before I realized that I started asking this question to myself, like what would happen if I don't exist? What would happen to these teams that I handle? What would happen to this company uh, if I were to leave or if I was not present at all? I, I couldn't think of an answer. I saw that team would continue to run. You know, maybe I'm not that dependent. So I think that was the moment, you know, that was inflection point that makes you realize that what value am I adding here? What impact am I creating out here? All right. So I started thinking more. Till then, I wasn't sure, you know, if design would be the next thing I would do. But I was more inclined towards, you know, maybe I should, I should just write cat once again and then get into some, you know, some IM or something and then do an MBA like my initial plan was. But then right then, uh, I got an opportunity from a senior uh, from my college who was also a designer, design enthusiast like me. Uh, he called me up and he, he asked me if I would want to work for housing.com. And uh, to, to give you an idea, it was 2015 back then. And housing was all over the news. Uh, they were in the newspaper. They were on the, on the you know, banners everywhere across. And people were talking about you know, how a couple of kids from IIT Bombay has started this company and they have raised millions of dollars. And now they are doing really well. And, uh, uh, and, you know, they were, people were talking about their design. People were talking about their design of their app, how easy it is. They were comparing it to the great products or apps that are built in the Silicon Valley. Uh, so even non-designers or people who are not a part of this, you know, the tech group as we know today, even they were talking about it because uh, it was in the newspapers and every other place. So, you know, when I got an opportunity, when my senior asked me if I would work, want to work as a designer in that company, it was like, whoa, what are you saying? Like, you know, this is, that, that feels like the mecca of design. Mm -hmm. And you're simply asking me if I would want to work. Uh, I was like, sure, but do you think I'm good enough to work there? <laughs> so to that, he said, uh, yes, you are. Because he had seen my, he had seen my uh, work in college. He said that, yes, you are. But I didn't really believe him all that much. But I thought, okay, no, let's give it a try. <laughs> let's give it a try. So uh, uh, he referred me. And, uh, you know, there was a series of interviews. They gave me an exercise, which was to, you know, just to design the UI of a calendar app or something. It was a very, very silly sort of, very small exercise that that given me. Then I had a few other rounds of interview and then I was in. They said that, you know what? Yep, you're in. We'll, we'll pay you this much of money. You can just join. Uh, I was like, okay, that escalated really fast. <laughs> I didn't expect. So that's actually how I got into design, you know, just like that. I, I knew that I was not 
creating all that impact in the job that I was doing. Very stable job, MNC sort of job. Uh, I was thinking what should be my next step in career. And then, you know, this happened. My senior reaching out to me and um, asking me if I would work for housing. And then one thing led to another. And I was already a part of the design team, which everyone was talking about, where <laughs> I would look up to everyone and felt like, you know, I was the worst person in this team and everyone else is better than me. So you know, that's how I started my <laughs> career in design. Yeah. That's my story of how I started. <laughs> that's that's really great, man. Uh, you know, you you made it sound fun, but uh, the critical question of whether or not you make a difference as a person in the team or in the organization, right? That hits really hard. You know what? There's a saying, there's a, there's a concept called lamppost effect uh, in cinema. So in the film industry, okay. when you, you know, most of the, at least the Indian industry, right? Uh, people hire glamorous actresses or the high-famed actresses to be a part of the film, though they don't really play a good role in the movie. And uh, film critics use right. a term called uh, the lamppost effect. If you remove the heroine from the film and replace her with a lamppost, if it doesn't make any difference, that's the concept. <laughs> I learned a new thing today. So, yes, I think I was that lamppost in my first job. Although I was not that glamorous figure, but then, yeah, I existed. That's about it. What What does a day yeah. in your life look like, Sapta? When you wake up and... Oh, day in my life. Yeah. Day in my life. Uh, well, it could it could be very different, but I think you're talking from a, my regular work day. Yeah. Uh, we can talk today, about weekends as well. Talking about. <laughs> okay, sure, sure. Maybe I will... Let's, let's talk about weekday first. Yeah. Because I'm sure people will be more interested towards that than I'll maybe touch base on the weekend. Of course. Uh, so so I, I'm not a very early riser. Um I got better though. There was a time when I would sleep really late and then get up really late. But I'm, I'm much better today. I, I I get up by 7.30 or I, my alarm goes off at 7. I try and get up by 7.30. In the worst days, I get up at 8. Okay. Right? So uh, after getting up, of course, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's one thing that I do these days or have been doing for a while is uh, uh, the last thing of my day and the first thing of my day is usually something to do with work. Okay. Now work, I don't always mean the work that I do for Swiggy. Uh, it could be that also at times. It could also be about, you know, maybe a script that I'm writing for my, you know, YouTube or Instagram reel or something, right? So what I see is the continuity really helps. Even though there is a sleep in between, uh, that really helps. And if I'm stuck at something, you know, just before sleeping, I just spend some time on it. Then I sleep the next morning before even brushing my teeth, I come and, you know, just try and come back to that. So it has surprisingly helped me so far, but then, you know, uh, I, I would still not recommend it because, you know, I, I don't have any theory around it, like if, if it works or something. So that's something that I do right after getting up. And after that, you know, the usual stuff, you know, I have my breakfast and all. And uh, uh, at times I go work out or recently I even started playing squash. Uh, so uh, there's a court in my society. So I just go and play for half an hour. Uh, then I come and have a shower or so. And then I'm, get, I'm ready to get started with my work, which is, uh, you know, my day job. Uh, my typical day has a lot of meetings. Uh, now that, you know, I'm, I'm at a certain level, which uh, of course I do a lot of IC work as well. But then now that I'm a manager, uh, a large part of my job involves decision making uh, for various parts of the product, right? And uh, and helping my teams, you know, move ahead, unblock them, help them take decisions, negotiate, get on meetings with, you know, other stakeholders, be it product, business and all, and then convince them into believing why this is the way to go about and, and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. so in short, my days are filled with a lot of meetings. Uh, most of these meetings are these. Uh, some of these meetings are maybe interviews. And now that you know we are hiring, we have a couple of openings in our company. So a lot of these are about interviews. 
And uh, many of them are about reviews as well. Like, you know, say I'm reviewing the work of uh, someone from my team and the review sessions are not just, you know, where they present me, not necessarily, you know, it's more of a working session. So say two or three individuals get on a call. Of course, I'm speaking from a work from home scenario and, uh, you know, th then we are on a call and then we are working on Figma at the same time, right? So they, they show me the things that they have tried and where they are stuck, mm -hmm. why things are not, are not working. Maybe I help them out a bit, show them some direction or make some variance quickly and then just let them take it ahead. So yeah, my, my typical day is filled with this kind of stuff. Um, since I work for a startup, <laughs> days are usually hectic. Back-to-back uh, -back meetings is a very common thing. Uh, there was a time when and I wouldn't even find time for lunch. Uh, you know, because you know, I, I had ranted about that on Twitter also that, hey, you know what, I don't have time for lunch <laughs> and all. But then uh, <laughs> I've gotten a little better. What I did was I went ahead and blocked my calendar. So one to two is my lunchtime and there uh, all my meetings go auto decline. If someone sends a meeting, I said, I don't decline because I'm breaking for lunch. <laughs> so you figure out when you want to meet me <laughs> later. Okay. So one to two is uh, when I uh, I have my lunch, maybe just relax a bit and then get back to work once again. And after work, uh, my typical day ends at what, around uh, Depends, 7, 8 o'clock. Uh, that's when my, you know, 7, 7.30, I think ideally my job, my swiggy work ends. And after that, my own stuff starts, okay? So my own stuff, uh, there are tons of things that I do. You know, I mentor people. Uh, there are people, you know, who are um, who get on calls with me. Um, so I have such calls uh, scheduled uh, later the night, say at around 9, 9.30 or so. In fact, today also I have one at 9.30. <laughs> so these are mostly people uh, abroad. So, you know, the US time and also that, that's a uh, that's a sweet spot for all of us. So I get on calls with them. At times, I have you know Q and A sessions with uh, the folks that I teach uh, as part of my courses, which I have with Growth School. Uh, or or at times, it's just about me sitting and writing some script for okay. my uh, YouTube or something that I've come to my mind, or me practicing something related to design. You know, just brushing up some of my skills or trying to learn something. Uh, or at times it could be just me reclining and just watching something on TV, you know, Netflix or something. Uh, yeah. And then after that, you know, I have my dinner and I, I go to bed by 12, 12, 30, one maximum. Okay. These days. So yes, uh, I, I'm being a good boy these days. I don't stay awake till 3 a.m. like I used to just two years back. Man, yeah. That sounds really packed, man. That's really, that's really great. Oh uh, yeah, it's it's packed, but I think that's fun. That's the fun. Yeah, <laughs> that's the fun of living uh, life. Uh, I feel, you know. <laughs> yeah. Sapta, let me ask you a question. So most of sure. the people, at least I know, when they have a day job, right, they tend to have they, they tend to pick uh, something that's the complete opposite of what they do at work to be their game right. and play, right? So when they come back from office, okay, they either pick up carpentry or they pick up painting or yep. anything else yep. Yep. and i've been struggling with this bit a lot of the times uh, so design is work and design is fun design is play for some of us right <laughs> so how, how do you not get exhausted right. by doing this the entire day uh, well, well, you know, it's the same for me as well. You know, I made my hobby into my profession. You know, I, I always uh, recall what Mr. Rancho had said in the movie Three Idiots. You know, just make your hobby as your profession and then you wouldn't feel like you're working. Uh, that That's kind of is true for me as well as for you. Uh, <laughs> but but here's what I do, you know, uh, when I said my, when my day job ends, uh, when I say my own work, uh, I, I do that uh, because I enjoy doing that, you know, be it teaching someone or helping someone unblock, you know, my, my mentees essentially, you know, who get on a calls with me, they actually discuss their daily work. You know, they work for some companies and they're stuck at something. So the 30 minutes or one hour that I spend with them, I actually help them out 
taking some of the decisions, right? Uh, so th- that's how I mentor them, right? So I enjoy doing that because there's a break from the kind of design that I'm doing. This is also design, but then this is a different kind of design than I, what I do. It's a different product. It's a different challenge. So that helps me. And also when I'm, when I'm say, learning something new or when I'm trying something different, uh, I do them just for fun, you know? There are no OKRs. No, there's no deadline. I'm yeah. doing it just because I love it. And in at times I, I I do it with some passive entertainment. You know, I would put something on the TV which maybe I have seen hundreds of times. I know everything, but then it's just running in the background. And maybe I'm not even at my desk. Maybe I'm reclining at my couch with my laptop, and then I'm doing all of them. Uh, you know, there was a, there was a series of illustrations that I made on Figma. I'm not sure if you have seen them. I I've posted seen them I've on Instagram. You know, they were like yeah, they were like hyper realistic sort of thing. I made them just like that. You know, there was something, you know, some How I Met Your Mother or some Sarabhai versus Sarabhai, something going on in the background. And then, you know, I'm just doing it because I'm enjoying. I don't I don't see that as a design work or something, right? Yeah. So, yeah, different kind of design helps me, you know, separate that, you know, that is work and this is this is something else. This is fun. Yeah. Uh, but there are also non-design things that I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, I, I love to drive. Uh, I find it therapeutic. Is that the word? therapeutic i think that's the word right is, yeah. <laughs> so so when i drive when my drive uh, drive my car it relaxes me you know at times it happens that uh i uh, i had a very long day you know very stressful then late at night you know i just go out for a drive maybe i drive all the way to bangalore airport which is a good 40 kilometers away go have a cup of tea there and come back right there won't be any traffic at that point of time but then you know when you're behind the wheels when you you know press the pedal and then see the car moving forward you break it you feel you are in control you feel uh, you know that you know you are moving ahead that that helps me relax uh, contrary to many other people's belief who don't enjoy driving that way so that's something that i enjoy okay uh, it's another thing funny thing that i enjoy is cleaning uh, yeah not not doing my dishes but then you know putting my things in the right place you know arranging my desk okay. you know, removing every dust every spot and then, you know, maybe scrubbing something and making it look really nice and clean and all. That's also something that I enjoy. But then I do that only during weekends, not much during the weekdays. Okay. So, yeah, these are some of the things that I enjoy, uh, which just relaxes me. That's good. That's great, man. That's food for thought. Sapta, do you think yeah. in today's world, a formal education in design is important to be successful? Or do you think it is an advantage? You know the answer to this question, <laughs> don't you? I do. I do. <laughs> Okay. See, I'll put it this way. When you need to hire for a opening a role, right? You have two candidates. Let them both be, you know, with the same level of expertise, same level of experience in terms of the number of years they have worked as a designer. And one has a formal education. Would it influence you to pick that particular person? No, I think, you know, you're creating a hypothetical situation here, but you're saying that everything else is same. Yeah. One person has an education, one person doesn't. Yeah. But uh, let's be a little practical here. That'll never be the case. You know, two individuals can never be exactly identical in every other aspect of where this is the only decision made. Yeah. Had it been the case, I don't know. I don't know. You know, if two individuals are just identical except this thing, I don't know what I would do. Maybe I'll go ahead with a person with a degree. I don't know, just because you know it's an extra feather on the cap. Yeah. But in reality, I have seen that never happens. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, abilities differ. At times it happens that, you know, even if I can judge that, okay, these two people are equivalent then also there would be things that you know this person spikes in certain areas and not so much in some other areas whereas this person spikes in some other areas and not so much so then what i will do is i'll compare the areas in which this spike and what matters to me or my company where i'm hiring for 
um, which set of skills would add more value and maybe based on that i will take a call uh, but honestly speaking having that education uh, is isn't one of the important criteria at least for the kind of hiring that i do uh the the reason is uh, uh, you know the kind of companies that we work for right yeah. all of us you me and all we work for startups yeah. right where innovation is one of the things uh we are expected to think beyond textbook exactly right so so you know a textbook knowledge doesn't necessarily help but what of course you know a formal education does is it sets your fundamentals of the design principles the basics really well so you know you know all those yeah. things and then when you start working you start connecting the dots okay you know this is what we had learned maybe i applied it this way you know it's never a one on one thing that you know you learn something out that you directly apply yeah. right i mean you're a chemical engineer exactly. i'm sure you have done a lot of calculus in your yeah. life you don't really apply them directly you know when even if you get into a core job right but then indirectly somewhere you do so i think for a design graduate also things would be that way whereas someone who hasn't studied design like me and <laughs> you uh, what i figured out was common sense taught me a lot of things you know i would do a lot of things because common sense told me right you know this is how it's supposed to be because my my instincts tell me my common sense tells me and then you know when i go and read about it i figure out that hey you know what that's a law or that's a rule that's how you're supposed to do it i have been always doing it just that i didn't know the names so uh yeah you know at least for me you know that education isn't necessarily an important thing it's about you know how can you use that to bring some value if you're able to sure i'll go and hire you that is an excellent answer man awesome uh <laughs> <laughs> thank you yeah let's let's talk about financial freedom right financial freedom is something okay. every designer or artist dream about how do you think a designer should okay. plan and manage his or her streams of income okay i think an ankur wariko would be a better person to answer this <laughs> i'm not really the finance guru but uh, you know i i can tell you how i approach some of these things okay uh, so uh, so like when i said right i moved from a very stable multinational company uh, to a startup right although the startup was paying me more right but then stability wise there was nothing that i could know like tomorrow i could get fired you know if the company shuts down or if they don't like my work so there was a risk that i had taken right but then back then of course you know this was almost 7 years back i was younger you know i had lesser responsibilities in my life so i could afford to do that so i thought that you know what i should definitely try if nothing else works out i'll come back and do my mba right because i always had that option so those things were there but that was the time you know when i took that leap of faith to join a startup uh i realized that you know i should create a safety pool of money for myself right it was a decision that i had taken of course my my parents are you know they they were doing fine right uh, they could support me even if i lost my job and all but then i wanted to do something on my own as well so what i did was i started taking up a lot of freelance jobs in the initial part of my career see i'm not i'm not suggesting everyone who is starting out should do that but then that was that was something that i did for financial freedom at the beginning right Fre- freedom is again a big word but yeah. you know little more uh money so that you know i i can be a little more comfortable in case i get laid off you know you know what i'm saying so uh that's how i started and i started making extra money out there uh and i would just save those money you know i i wouldn't really splurge those money on because i know that you know i'm creating a comfort cushion for me in case things go wrong uh so i would save all those money the money that i would make from freelance and then over time i realized that you know what uh, maybe making money isn't the toughest thing you know you you work hard on your job 
uh, your day job itself that itself should get you a lot of money yeah. right so and then also you know i continued doing freelance for a while uh, uh, but but then it was just about the interest you know okay i'm doing certain kind of work at home let me try and do a different kind of work you know i was just trying to get paid for the fun you know i just spoke about different kind of design which which is fun for me right so i was trying to bring build a model where i would get to have that fun by doing different kind of work but then someone will also pay me for that right it's a win win isn't it so i i try to get into that kind of model i did that for a while and it, and it worked fairly fine you know there was a time i remember when my uh, my day job and my uh, my extra income was almost equal right so uh, uh, it's it's like i was essentially doubling my income by doing those extra stuff out there right so all those things helped me cre- create some amount of leverage because you know i thought what would happen if i lose my job how do i survive right so that was the reason how it started uh, but of course things are different today uh, uh, i realized that passive income makes sense makes more sense than you know slogging double hours to earn that money because the passive income is a smarter way of doing where you maybe you know you work once but then you keep getting paid forever you don't have to keep doing it regularly for it right so uh, if if you know people who are listening to if you really want to build some channels that way building channels for passive income would be would be really good uh, because it means lesser effort and more returns right examples would be you know you build something and you put it out for sale online could be a ui kit could be an icon could be an animation you build it once and then people keep buying it for 10 dollars 15 dollars every time someone buys you get some money right so i'm not saying that would directly lead you to uh, financial freedom but then yeah it's it's a good thing or or maybe you know you design a course you build a course as and when people buy you keep getting paid you record it once and you're done right or it could be like you know what you are doing you know you can monetize your podcast i can monetize my youtube channel and then once i create a content it just stays there forever and i keep getting paid right so that's that's one and another thing is since we are talking about financial freedom and all i'm no ankur wariko again but uh, uh, i i'm also mindful about where i spend my money on uh, there are certain things i like and i like to spend money on them but it doesn't mean that just because i have certain money i'll have to spend in every luxury no i'm not that person in fact i have a policy i i i make sure that if i want something there are certain needs and there are certain wants if i want something i see that can i buy two of them and yet continue my life in the way it is if the answer to that is yes i buy one of that and i have used that fundamental for everything every big purchase that i have made in my life so far beat my house beat my car beat beat anything you know beat a holiday i always say can i buy two of that uh, yeah that yeah these are some of the things that i do but you know take all these things at a pinch of salt <laughs> because i am not a money expert it's crazy man This sounds really practical. I think I think I I'll go back and just keep following this. Uh, maybe I, I I might have been a little hard on myself. Mm-hmm. Um but sure, you know, I, I have nothing to complain. Yeah. For the non-product designers, including myself, we see people talk about product design, okay. UI, UX design. You know, for the young audience listening to this, can you define the exact meaning of right. these terms and how are they different from each other? Okay. <laughs> All right, you know, see uh ui ux you know it's user interface and user experience right uh, it's the experience of anything that's the word english word experience okay let's know that let's keep it aside let's understand what a product is you know product is anything which you can use to do something like if i give you an example uh, around 150 years back electricity was invented right uh, it was a great thing it could generate energy it could you know light up all of these things and all but electricity as a phenomenon was invented right moving of electrons and all now imagine 150 years back 
if someone would have told people that hey this thing called electricity uh would you buy it would you pay for it people would like okay it might be a great thing but then i don't know what do i do with that no i'll not buy i'll not pay for it right but then someone thought that let's productize it right which means i'm not selling you electricity but i'm selling you a small glass thing you put it at the in your house and switch on a button it's going to make your nights look like day light essentially light bulb right the moment that was made people are like yes take my money i want that what do i need to do with that sure now i need to pay for something called electricity i'll do that right that's called product you know there are lots of things which are going on behind it you know you tell the user what they need to do don't tell them what they don't need to know i think that's what a product is right like like look at this i'm i'm wearing this this is called an airpods pro right has got noise cancellation in it which means it'll filter out every other noise which is around just by the tap of a button i'm an electrical engineer i know how this works there's a lot of signal processing that goes inside it it creates anti waves which cancels all the noise waves and then finally you know you don't hear that noise right user doesn't need to know that all that they need to know is you're in a noisy environment press this button you will cut out right and then when i give you a feature like this i can charge you money hey you know what pay me 30k for this because this is going to make your life different this is a product right so all these products bring some changes into the life of the user right and we as designers design such products in the digital domain right of course i'm not qualified to design physical products but digital yes maybe because i have some experience if not education so same with you know people like other that's what product designer is someone who designs digital products or rather someone who creates experiences for users who are going to use digital products now that's a long name which i just said right so yeah some people call it ux designer some people call it product designer some people call it ui ux designer so this is what we do whatever you choose to call it so yes there could be minor differences between what it is because product designer could also mean someone who designs this physical product or this chair this table and yeah. all but in our context it is experience for digital products digital, yeah rest everything is just nomenclature lately the product design domain right has become extremely competitive at least uh, as far as i've seen the circle of designers around me uh, in bangalore in chennai in mumbai right. right it has become extremely competitive how do you think a designer can stand out from the large group of designers out there yeah you know uh, uh, offlet it sure has become uh, very competitive it's because people started seeing the benefits that are visible you know people started seeing that you know this is a, this can be a stable profession this can be a profession that can pay you well uh, this can be a profession which can pay you as much as a software developer but then you don't need to code that i think trips every other thing because many people are scared of coding right yeah. that's the reason a lot of people want to get into it right uh but honestly speaking it is getting competitive in a way but then when you go and hire because you know i'm in the process of hiring right now it is very tough to find people who are good very tough to find right it's just like every other profession you know there are there are millions of engineers in let's forget world let's talk just about india there are millions of engineers in india how many of them are employable think about it you know only people who are really good in their field you know i'm not even naming college and stuff people who are really good in their field they are the ones who manage to be that engineer you want to be you know then there's another 90% or maybe 95% of engineers who are not doing anything that's true for every profession you take doctors you take lawyers 
you take anything that's true for designers as well right so even though you know it's becoming a competitive market where more and more people wanted to get into this field but you know it's only the people who cross that threshold uh get to have what they wish others still struggle you know and that's a fact that's a fact that i have seen uh it's it's again you know i i don't know if it's a paradox principle it's just the top top set of people you know who are good so how can you how can you differentiate you know your aim should be to go beyond that threshold because you know once you cross that threshold mark that's when you know you get you get better you get what you are looking for now it is really tough because you know it's not measurable that you know this is where you know i'm just four units away from crossing that threshold and once i cross that four units then then i get there it's not that way right so that's what makes it challenging because things are abstract you can't really measure your ability your capability so all that you can do is keep up skilling you know keep up skilling keep up skilling your hard skills your soft skills uh improve your way of thinking right this is something an advice i give for anyone who wants to get into design as well right question everything that you have around you right question why is this thing like this and not in some other way why is my chair's handle like this and not like that why is the backrest like this could it not have been some other way right so question all these things you know essentially bring the curiosity and once you start questioning first first few days you might feel like you know you're doing some trivial stupid thing but then over time you'll realize that you're able to reason why certain thing is in a certain way and once you become once you make that your habit the moment you see something you will know oh damn this is a bad design because it will have this problem when the user starts using it it becomes natural after a while and uh, wait for the time till it's natural till it becomes natural because once it becomes natural uh, it you can apply it in your daily work as a designer right that's another way of upskilling so yep i think my short short answer would be you know get better at thinking get better at analyzing things and get better with your hard skills i think this should over time ensure that you cross that threshold and you are at the top tier of people yeah. who get all the rewards of course housing is a b2c brand again right. uh, when it comes to zeta it's a b2b brand swiggy is again a b2c brand did you have to shift your mindset in large ways when you design solutions for these products what were your major challenges yeah you know the the three companies that i worked for so far uh are very different in many ways but you know i'm a firm believer of the fact that you know the fundamentals of design remain same right and uh once you get the fundamentals right you can do any kind of design of course you know there's a bit of domain knowledge or domain expertise that is needed that you know you get it over time you know on on your day zero you don't have the domain knowledge and in case of b2b products the domain knowledge becomes even more important because often you are not the user of the product and often you don't even know who how the lives of the users who are using your products are all right so that's what uh, you know the context is important in case of b2b uh so that's what you know zeta was a b2b company uh, there uh, but but the thing is i had worked uh, at zeta during the very initial days and back then you know the company was at least did project itself as a purely b2b company you know it was that b2b2c is what they used to claim because you know they were they were into that consumer benefits right customer i mean employee benefits and all where finally at the end of the day it was an end consumer like you and i who would be using those products so back then it wasn't a purely b2b company but then uh, uh so 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 uh, it the way of designing it didn't really involve the stuff you know 
typically folks in a b2b company would do you know they would optimize for uh, they would optimize for speed or you know if someone is using a dashboard to do something continuously for 12 hours like you know it's not about how you know delightful it is it's about how quickly or efficiently you do it so there are stuff stuff out there right so that wasn't the case in zeta at least back then or at least in the part of zeta that i was working at uh, so you know it was pretty much the standard stuff the only difference that i saw was uh, the time the time that we were given to work on a particular thing at zeta was very less very less you know it it was uh, it was a very sales driven company back then at least where uh, you know uh, the, the the sales folks would go and try and sell stuff to the company right and promise them things in in the process and you know the kind of stuff that we could perhaps uh, optimize for them or customize for them and then they would come to us and say that okay you know what so and so company is willing to buy this we'll have to make it right we'll have to show them a working prototype in the next two days so that's how you know uh, how we had worked right so we didn't really have the time to do a lot of things that you usually hear people doing you know it was just about standing on on your feet and just thinking right there maybe get a quick feedback from the people who are right around you and then just get done with it you know majorly intuition majorly intuition that's about it so that's how work used to happen at zeta at least back then things things would have been very different now I'm not qualified to speak there when i came to swiggy swiggy is a hardcore consumer facing brand uh of course we have a b2b side as well because restaurant side and all but then i work in the consumer side of things so this is you know the most b2c company that you can think of i would say we call ourselves com- consumer obsessed in that way and uh, here you know we actually do everything anything and everything that is needed to make something great for the users right well there are also time you know when we we are expected to do something overnight or you know in the 2 3 days we have hard timelines but then for most part we get to spend that time or we get to think to the extent which is needed to create a product of this quality right so the mind shift the mind shift wasn't all that much right i find housing and Z, uh, housing and swiggy pretty similar in many aspects of course swiggy is much more bigger it it's much bigger it's much more um, matured in that aspect housing wasn't all that much because even that was a new company then zeta was a phase where you know it was all about speed it was all about how fast can i come up with a big product or a big flow or something you know i of course learned a lot of things in that process as well but then swiggy is a mix of both i would say you know where where we we think really deep even if it's a small thing we'll have to think about so many different things because one thing can make or break many other there are so many dependencies across different teams different products different situations different conditions so those are the kind of things that we do at swiggy i think the initial days the biggest challenge that i personally faced wasn't about you know getting used to the system you know that's you know you spend one or two days or you spend a couple of weeks out there you get used to it but uh, the biggest challenge at least for me was to prove myself <laughs> to prove my worth you know uh, the last company that i applied to was housing you know my my friend my my senior had referred me but then i applied and did right both zeta and swiggy i was approached by the company right uh, because they felt maybe i was good in certain aspect now once you get hired that way there's a big pressure on you right you always feel that okay you know this company has have so much of faith on me that you know they reached out to me and they hired me that way i'll have to live up to their expectations so i think that was the my biggest challenge both at zeta and swiggy so the first you know few weeks or months 
you're always at that phase right you know i'll have to give my best you know that's how i was you know it's not the healthiest way because when someone joins a company the company knows that okay this person is new we'll give them the time to uh, get used to the system we'll give them the time to make mistakes but i thought was like you know i'll have to prove myself because you know folks were already hyped about you know this guy is doing they were talking much big about me than what i actually was so you know it's that pressure on you so uh, <laughs> proving myself was the biggest challenge uh, i would say i want to know about how things operate at swiggy design right now can you talk about design at swiggy how how the design team is structured and what do folks do on a daily basis the processes you follow etc right right so <laughs> yeah swiggy is a fairly uh, fairly big team now uh i think for the longest time uh, we were fairly small we we're barely 20 people or so for for the longest time okay and when i say 20 it it's across all the verticals you know consumer supply delivery all those sides all of them put together it was this right so we were always running uh, we were understaffed right so all of us were doing a lot of extra work as well but then now we are at the path of you know adequately staffing our teams so now we are at around 37 37 members in the team of course that includes all the managers the head of design uh, and all the three or four verticals that i've spoken about right uh, so that's the structure of the team right now one one great thing about swiggy is that you know we are not cascaded under product or engineering uh we are an organization or a vertical in itself so uh i report to the head of design who's a vp of design uh, he reports to the ceo of the company so uh, what what that does is it gives us a lot of leverage in terms of you know decision making and having an influence uh, they say right uh, the the place at the table we have that place at the table i, I and it, it happens in many other companies as well but i think one of the main reasons is that you know we are not cascaded under some other team right so you know we have our own agenda we have our own success criterias and stuff and we are not you know driving some other teams agenda just because we are cascaded under them so i think that's one great thing about uh, swiggy and on a daily basis you know different people all the team members have different areas where they concentrate on where they work on and the way we work is you know like typical of any other companies the organization has certain goals right now those big goals get broken down into you know many smaller goals and those goals again gets broken down into smaller goals or tasks or areas right so if i have to you know reduce 30 paise per order just giving a random example then these are some of the things that we can do at an app level right so brainstorming that and thinking of what we can build how quickly we can launch right so those are the stuff that designers do on a daily basis of course some of the things you know it's a designer plus product manager combo that they do into it you know finding about uh, how long it would take go to market strategy and all that something the product managers do but then designers have their say into how how this could be made what is the right way of doing it you know what problems could be faced and all so they are a part of all this discussion and of course an individual contributor a uh, designer would have a lot of hands on work to do as well you know which is of course on figma that's a tool that we use and of course there are people who specialize in other aspects as well like visual design it could be illustration iconography motion design so they keep contributing in those aspects and uh, as a process i would say you know there's no fixed process that we follow out there right it it changes from the nature of the project that we are working on and but there are certain tenets there are certain principles that we stick to so you know that is you know it, it's not a rule book that you know you do first this then this and that it just set off you know couple of things which we always have keep in our mind right and we keep asking questions is it is my design following that is my design adhering to that right so i think those tenets 
is in everyone's mind and uh, we design keeping those in mind yeah. amazing man and how how do you validate the design decisions you take <clears throat> what you said as success metrics when it comes to you know taking design decisions right <laughs> right like success metrics could be you know uh, what i feel is not everything can be measured with number yeah right? not course. everything can be measured with number uh, some things definitely can be measured with number and uh, where there is a situation like that we of course look into the numbers you know if it's about a funnel or how are people proceeding that you know if there is anything that is confusing for them because of which they are not proceeding then we go ahead and we look into them but in some of the things you know we are an e-commerce product a lot of it is about discovery a lot of it is about exploring a lot of it is about not knowing what you want but then you know we uh, we letting you know what you want using our design or using our product right those things you can't really measure right now one of the things which people say is you know how fast can you place an order is a matrix of is a metric of how good your design is is it so not all the time right because there may be people who come with a very strong intent that you know i want to eat chicken biryani from meghna today so for them sure you know how fast you're able to place an order is a metric but then there are people who is like you know i just feel like eating something spicy today that person is going to spend their own sweet time look into various options you know drool over the images you know like romance with the food then eventually go and place an order i can't measure the time and say that hey you know what this is not good because the person has taken a good 20 minutes to place their order right so not everything can be measured with number and we understand it well uh, organization understands it you know what can be measured with number what cannot be measured with number right so you know you cannot measure delight you cannot measure consumer love so so there are different ways in which you know we we handle some of these things uh, but of course you know we always use our past reference as a metric right recently you see uh, you must have seen that we we launched a redesign of swiggy uh, we call it the swiggy 4.0 but of course what you see right now is more of a visual changes that has come there are more functional things that are coming in the uh, future releases so one thing that we look at is now that we redesigned it is it affecting any of our past numbers all right so all that's where we see funnels right okay cart to menu or, you know menu to cart cart to payment payment to order or home to menu and all of them what percent of the people would move from one stage to another in the older design versus in the newer design the numbers shouldn't fall the numbers shouldn't fall right that's one thing that we look at ideally it should increase but then yeah you know we'll see how much it can increase right so i think that's definitely one way of measuring that we do when we do something new and and rest of the things you know like i said the abstract things you can't really measure with numbers right of course we, we look at secondary man. signals to we we look at secondary signals to understand you know how successful something can be called the good part is the the organization understands it yeah not not many organizations do that but that that is very crazy <laughs> let's talk about managing projects and people so my 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 first question on this topic is how does one know when he or she is ready to become a manager <laughs> no i'm asking well, this it's, because it's hard the... for the person to know <laughs> yeah. yeah sorry go on you're con- you're continuing no 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 I, i meant to ask this because uh you know the the career ladder or the career lattices as they call it it's not uh really defined in a good way in many companies right uh, right since design it in itself is a function or a department in swiggy i think it should be fine mm-hmm. uh but how yeah. do people generally it's an instinction right and you have to realize it and the people or the team and the people who manage you have to realize it so how do you think right. one can right. know that he or she is ready 
it's tough for the person the individual to know if they're ready you know unless they have you know, they've had many such signals in the past or you know they are really passionate about doing things and and also you know i know we are talking about management out here but uh, you know we are tuned in a certain way you know where our parents might have done government jobs right where climbing up the ladder of career would mean eventually being a manager the day you become a manager is like okay you know what i'm at a fairly good position right now people management was the thing but that isn't the case these days right uh, uh well it it's still the case in many companies but fortunately in swiggy that's not the case you know in in swiggy we have a very well defined individual contribution path as well so uh to give you an idea lead designer is the is the last stage of individual contribution at swiggy i mean not the last stage but <clears throat> that's a junction after that the candidate gets to decide if they want to take the managerial path or the individual or continue in the individual contribution path if you take the managerial path you become a manager senior manager director avp vp and so on right and if you take the individual contribution path you become an architect senior architect you know principal designer staff designer of course that has a path as well so people get to you know uh, be uh, take whichever path they want and you know let's be let's be fair here not everyone is meant to be a manager i have seen in my past disasters where you know where the wrong people were made managers and they ended up doing not so good right or or you know great people were not made managers and they were simply you know doing individual contribution whereas they could have you know done a much better job as a leader or as a manager that way right so it's about understanding you know it's not that everyone needs to be a manager and if you do not want to be a manager it's totally fine because you know maybe you are made to shine or you're made to do some other kind of work which will take you to the same level similar level without having to manage a team because that's a possibility right uh, now coming to your question how does one identify right at least in my mind i think there are some three or four things which uh, three things you know i can i can actually think of three things which are essential to be a manager right uh, one is of course your ability to nurture people you know manager is being a people manager so you'll have to be good with people you'll have to be uh you'll have to need to have the nurturing skills you know which uh, which can nurture people which can help them grow which can make them feel good when they are low or which can you know which can inspire them uh to do something great so nurturing is a very important part of being a manager uh, the second one is influencing right uh influencing not just uh you know your team members but also beyond them you know when i was saying that my work involves a lot of convincing a lot of decision making i'm essentially influencing people with my design skills my logical reasoning into believing into making them believe why you know we should do this and not that right that's influencing right and also influencing your teammates as well you know your reportees as well you know set examples for them you know for that you'll have to be exceptionally good at your craft at your work that you do so that you know you can set an example for them and then let them follow it or or rather you know give set an inspiration for them so that they aspire to be like you and perhaps do even better than you right so that's that's a thing you know nurturing them by setting the right example and then nurturing them to reach there and go beyond it because you know your work as a manager is that and the third one of course is leadership which is you know nothing but you know a mix of all the things that i have said so far you need to be a great leader uh uh for you to be a manager here right and uh, uh one thing uh, one thing that you can say is you know being a manager you cannot always when when someone becomes a manager for the first time you would see that your hands on work would reduce a bit and that might make you into believing that you know you're not working enough but the truth is your work is now not only going to be evaluated by the hands on stuff that you do but also the hands on stuff of your entire team so you know pushing someone from your team 
to you know be that good be really good or you know go beyond their limits or do some wonderful work is also your success right and uh, of course above all be humble <laughs> be humble that is that is really important so you know i i read somewhere that you know manager being a manager is about taking uh, a little less of the credit that you deserve and taking a little more of the blame that you deserve you know <laughs> you maintain that balance and then you'll be all good that is a wonderful quote man thanks for sharing it <laughs> and and i have a crazy follow up question man i i think it's crazy okay. because uh, I, i was going through a profile and found something interesting so that you got a barefoot behavioral counseling certification and uh, <laughs> yes. i had a chance to google yes, it and it sounds pretty amazing do you want to talk okay, about it okay. and uh, did it make you make you a better manager <laughs> uh well maybe yes you know i mean this was something that i did during my college days right uh, so there was this company called medol medol uh, it's still a company based out of chennai itself uh, so they are the ones who have given me that certification so as a part of college i was a part of this counseling unit okay we called it mitra you know it, it's nothing but a guidance and counseling unit in a way you know like you know when when a new student comes to the college they're scared of the thing or they're not comfortable because they are living out of their home or ragging and all the stuff so you no know, they could come to someone they can trust those were none other than the mitra counselors i was one of the mitra counselor right so when you are in the third or fourth year you know you become that eventually you know, i even headed the student council when i was in my final year and all so uh, so as a part of that uh we would get some trainings which our college would arrange so medol was a company which they arranged right so uh so they would they would actually train us you know there were lots of case studies that we would have to go through and you know how would we react and then they would tell us you know what is the right way to react to the situation right the work of a counselor is to never tell the counselee what to do it is just about showing the path at the end of the day it's the counselee or the person will have to take their own Um, own path right so this i think is a very important part which i use in my managerial work uh, it is not always to tell them what to do of course in some cases you will have to tell them because you know it's a corporate and a more practical scenario but more often it's just about showing them the way right if you feel that you know if if they're in a slightly not so right way which may lead them into some trouble appraise them about it you know give them the idea that this might happen by the way this is also another way and let them find the right way themselves so that make sure that you know you have given the right path showed them the right path and it also gives them the feeling of accomplishment because you know you haven't handheld them they have gone the in the path by themselves so that i think is something from i learned from counseling which helps me so yeah as a part of all of them i i got the certificate of <laughs> barefoot counseling so what what barefoot means barefoot means that the kind of counseling that you're allowed to do that you can do without having a degree in psychology right so we we were engineers right we didn't have a degree in psychology and all but there's a certain amount of counseling that we do that counseling is called barefoot counseling so that's what barefoot certification is about okay got it thanks man thanks for sharing that information what what should a designer possess when trying to get hired by a company you know let's let's talk about this from both the hiring team's perspective and the designer's perspective yeah you know the other day i was uh, i was talking to someone a uh, friend we were trying to understand you know uh, what what do you do as a designer right some people may say you know make things delightful or we solve problems but you know if you sum up all these things it just feels like we create value is a very generic way of putting because every other person is also adding value in some or the other way right so are we so when 
someone is getting interviewed, the company always sees how much of value can this person add in whichever role we are hiring, right? So value is really important. So how can a designer create value? Designer can create value, of course, with the skills that they have, with the ideas that they can they have, uh, you know, how, how they can solve a particular problem that the company is facing and so on, right? So when you combine all of them, it's essentially value for the company. And for the value that you're adding, you get compensated. That's nothing but the salary that we get. So to, to make sure that, you know, you get hired, I, I feel product designers, again, speaking from a product designer's point of view, there are two kinds of skills that you need to have. One is the analytical skills, right? I don't mean your, your maths or something. Analytical skill is just about, you know, thinking, going deeper. It's about the same thing, you know, questioning why is it shaped this way? Why are the buttons here and not there, right? That is also analytical skills. You know, your, your ability to predict something, your ability to, if this is happening, that may happen, right? Or, or you know, if I do this, if it may eventually lead to something else, you know, your farsightedness. Those are nothing but combination of analytical skills, which we use uh, very often when we design, you know, when we brainstorm and all, right? So that's one part you need to be really good at. The other part, of course, is craft. Now that you have thought, brainstorm, analytically, everything, how do you translate it into artifacts that your users can use? And since we are digital designers, the the final end result is usually the user interface that we make, right? So it's the end result, which is user interface, and the entire process that goes behind it, which is the thinking, right? So combination of these two set of skills is absolutely important for any designer, I would say, for individual contribution, uh, contributor at least. So uh, our work or for any designers to get leverage is to get better at both of them. Get really good at both of them. And... Uh, Proof yourself in front of the interviewer of a company that you're applying to, right? And make them make them feel that, yes, this person has good analytical skills and the person has good crafting skills, right? These two things are absolutely important. And above and beyond, of course, you know, how are you as an individual? Are you a good human being? Would I like to work with you, right? Are you a, do you have a good personality, right? Is there any red flags around your character, right? So, uh yeah, these are these are important, and uh, yep, the, the the last part you know is is getting more and more important these days. A few a, a while back, you know, we had interviewed some person. Uh, uh, the person was great in every aspect, but uh, we found some behavioral issue with that person because the person was absolutely fine when they when uh, that person was talking to the design folks, but then the person went on being almost borderline rude to one of our recruiters. That's a red flag for us. No matter how good a designer you are. If you do not hold your ethics strongly, we won't hire you. We may be fine with hiring someone else who's not as good as you. We'll train them into being really good. But then there are some things that we do not compromise. And that's true for every company, not just the company that I work for. True that. You know, the next question might seem a bit controversial, right? So I just want to... (laughs) I'm a visual designer myself. And uh, I started as a graphic designer, right? Honestly... The one thing that kept me bothering until very recently is the difference in pay for graphic or brand designers compared to product designer of similar work experience. What's your take mm-hmm. on this? It's actually true. Yeah. It's actually it true. true. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there are some reasons why I see this happening. Okay. Uh, so if you look at anything, uh, why does any profession get paid more? Uh it's just the scarcity, you know, it's the supply demand gap. Now, how much of it is needed? 
how much of it is available. You know, when that gap increases, people are ready to pay a lot for it. Like same thing happens with onions almost every year, right? There's a time, you know, the prices of onions is going to shoot above 100. Why? Because there's not enough onions left in the market. It's the same out here, right? How many designers are there who are good, who can do this job? And how many of them are needed? It's just a difference between them. So maybe in this world, there are more graphic designers than product designers, at least to start with. So that itself gives a leverage to someone just because it is relatively rare. That's one thing, right? But the second, and in my opinion, the more important thing that I often see is, um, you see design team and or product design team and all, there are relatively newer phenomenon, at least in India, you know, where there's a head of design who is looking after the entire design product design, they're thinking, they're, you know, they're brainstorming, they're bringing value and all, right? That's a recent, relatively newer phenomenon. But if you see graphic design had been there for slightly longer, right? And what kind of graphic designers, what kind of job would they do? They would mostly work for some sort of maybe marketing collaterals, some sort of marketing stuff, right? Now, this graphic designer is not a marketing professional, but they are they are aiding to marketing stuff, which means they're working for a marketing team, which means the people that they're reporting to are marketeers and like that. So what usually happens is there's someone else who's probably thinking of that great campaign, someone else who's conceptualizing that story, someone else you know, who's writing the narrative and everything, and the graphic designers are merely executing them, right? That is the reason, that could be one of the reasons why they do not get paid all that much, not as much as the product designers. Because, you know, you get paid for your thinking and not just your hands-on, like I said, right? If you are just doing your hands-on, you're as good as that printer which is at the corner of the room. You know, someone else is giving instructions as to what to print and that, that printer is just printing it, right? How much money would you pay for that printer, right? Would you really want to retain? You can buy that printer from Amazon, Flipkart, any other place, right? So I think that's the loop when many graphic designers fall into, where they want to do stuff, but then they are being headed by other set of folks. They don't let that happen. And they continue to remain in that place where they were. And they don't get to grow as much that they would want to, right? So in my opinion, I think graphic designers can do some great work, you know, if they start thinking on their feet. Now, if they start conceptualizing things on their own, if they build compositions on their own, you know, which, which, which creates differences. Once they do that, they will get paid. They will get paid as much as product designers. Why not? But often I see that not happening. So yeah, those are my thoughts around it. <laughs> that is a brilliant answer, man. Thanks for sharing it. And it was very detailed too. This, this was a completely new perspective for me because I've been trying to crack it since a long time. But thanks for sharing it. <laughs> What do you think is the scope of design that's not product design in India in the near future? Okay, scope. Honestly, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm qualified to answer this. You know, when you're talking about a scope, which is not product design. Uh, but I think uh, in, the, in my last answer, I tried to elaborate a bit on the graphic design side. So, you know, that the, the obvious question which I get asked often is, is, is graphic design dead? The answer to that is no, it's not dead. What you're doing is perhaps not the actual graphic design. You're doing something else. You're being a printer and not a designer. Be a graphic designer. Then you see that you know that it's not dead. So I think that's true for any kind of uh, design. But honestly, if you're asking about scope, I, I, I'm not the right person because, you know, I, I don't know all that much about other kinds of design. I'm very restricted to, you know, my small world. Yeah. Out here. yeah. 
uh i have a follow up question on being a generalist versus specialist when it comes to that so but before we jump into that right let's let's talk about personal development now this is a segment where we discuss about your personal development side hustles and personal projects on what not let's start with your youtube yeah. journey man what what made you start a channel and did you always plan on becoming a content creator no not at all i never planned to be a content creator uh, uh see i i like to speak um i like to narrate stories okay uh, well well i'm not talking about the grandmother stories right of course that's also a brilliant storytelling but i like to make stories of my of the happenings in my life right and you know i somehow can narrate things in a very interesting way which uh, some people at least if not everyone uh, like to listen to right and i use it to my benefit and i have been using it to my benefit since my childhood right uh, i delivered my to give you an idea i delivered my first talk when i was in my third standard it was in my assembly where i had spoken about uh, uh, helen keller i think you know helen keller yeah. she's she's a deaf mute and blind girl who who really went on to be someone great uh, the movie black amitabh bachchan rani mukherjee was made on helen keller actually so my first speech in my life was helen keller's on helen keller right so since then you know the journey started my speaking journey or my my teaching journey my storytelling journey my my narrating journey and all and i had participated in lots of this extempo speeches prepared speeches or or debating competitions and all in my school you know i would go to other schools participate there and all right so that has also given me a lot of confidence that you know i can do certain things another thing is uh, uh i was fortunate enough to have some really good teachers in my life okay like really good teachers and uh, they would teach things in a way that i would not forget you know they were like complex concepts on in engineering you know right engineering is not easy they are tough yeah. and also the, the the process of getting into an iit is also tough right it's not easy there were complex things that we would study but i had some teachers who would explain things in such an easy way that i would just not forget you know i remember there was there was a teacher who explained us the difference between center of mass and center of gravity with atta you know atta dau right you know he said when you put your finger inside it one thing changes the other doesn't similarly another another professor explained what is that omega you know in a simple harmonic motion omega is something to do with circle right where is the circle in a simple harmonic motion so he explained it in such a way that and imagine a ball is rotating with that omega if you put a light above it the shadow of the ball is simple harmonic motion so such things you know when someone explains such analogies and explains to you you just don't forget yeah you don't forget till today i remember my physics my 12th standard physics so well that you know i can probably crack je once again <laughs> <laughs> i don't know just say right so uh, uh so those were my inspirations so i knew that you know when you when you try and connect something with uh, something that people already know you know if i explain to you rocket science maybe using the car that you drive or the cycle that you ride you'll understand it much more so you'll know rocket science by just using some analogy that you already know i try and use that when i teach or when i when i speak right so my speaking journey like professionally as a as a designer started way back in 2016 so i delivered a talk on motion design and uh, after that you no know, the things it was just one thing led to another i did that hence people got to know me i got invited for more people got to know me again i got invited for even more so on and so forth right it just kept happening and then i also conducted workshops you know on basic ux design how to get into this field some hands on workshop motion design illustrations i've done so many other things right that's how it was i always felt that you know my power is the stage where people are in front of me because i have that power to influence them into believing something or you know teaching them something right 
but then pandemic hit <laughs> and uh, there were no stage shows anymore there were no physical events but i got started i i started getting invites for webinars at first i thought you know i need the stage because that's my superpower right but then i reluctantly went ahead and did one webinar and i figured out that the reach of a webinar is immense okay it's immense in a in a normal physical talk if 100 people would attend a webinar i would easily have 500 people attending from various parts of india if not world right so the reach was incredible and i also saw that i could create similar effects which i would do on the stage you know so it wasn't the stage which was my superpower you know it was maybe the way i teach the way i narrate my stories the way i make people understand something probably that was my superpower right so that led to a lot of things in 2020 i think i had made the record number of webinars <laughs> i didn't even count you know i kept counting till 80 so you know my linkedin profile will probably say you know 80 plus ux talks after that i lost count there were so many i had done and they were all good so that led me into believing that maybe i should do something you know in a little more formal way that's when i started thinking about youtube and also in addition to that people would keep messaging me and keep asking me about questions okay like how do i get into this field or how should i do this and that and i often saw that you know it was a set of those 10 15 questions which everyone would ask yeah and every time i would have to type the same thing you know <laughs> i even maintained a sheet you know where i would have the answers copy paste change the name done right <laughs> so i was templatizing my replies okay <laughs> so i was like if i'm doing all that much why not record i have a camera i have a mic i have lights so let's start recording so that's how youtube started i never thought i would build content i would make content but you know all these things put together or uh, created an environment which made me feel that yeah you know what this is something that i can do <laughs> thanks for pandemic man we have a <laughs> thanks for <laughs>